listening to Spitball with Andrew Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Spitball. <laughs> I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and back joining me this week is the one, the only, drum roll please, Squire. Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Feel a little... A little under the weather, but I'm still here. Good lad, yeah. Fighting on through the course despite the man flu. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah. And how have you been since our last catch-up? It's been two weeks now since uh, we last had the chance to spit ball, as it were. It's been very hectic, but amazing. Um, uh, university team managed to record its first win. Yes. Congratulations. Um, and thank you. I've just been busy as um, it's that lovely time of year where assignments are due. So always fun. I do just have one quick question because it's a picture I I saw on Facebook, which uh, I'm going to cheekily put in the show notes. But uh, who was that in the uh, Marjon Lion suit that I saw on your Facebook? <laughs> it wasn't me. I was taking the picture. <laughs> it was a guy called Dan, who is one of our linebackers. Ah, oh, brilliant. OK, uh, what's Dan's surname, mate? So we can make sure we give him the full credit he deserves in the show notes dressed up as the mascot. <laughs> It's Dan Heath, and he makes a natural mascot. He was brilliant. Fantastic. That's what we like to hear. Okay, so we leave our little catch-up there, because otherwise we'll be talking for ages, and you'll be wondering when the podcast is actually going to start, and you'll be screaming at me and hollering at me, no doubt. With that, we move on with the show. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby, you're having one of those days. I say that to say this. If you wouldn't have did what you would have did, then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Jeez. I can't finish with these gloves. <laughs> I'm a teeth. I think I trim my tooth. Wish I had some goals so you can buy me some teeth. We are going to start our game recap this week with a week 13 clash between the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. So an AFC, uh, sorry, an AFC South <laughs> battle. Well, my mind is just obsessed with AFC East. Can you tell I'm a Bills fan if you haven't already? Woohoo, go Bills. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> AFC South. See, you can tell it's been too long since we've last done this, Mark, because I've lost all train of thought without you. I'm just used to waffling on, no one to <laughs> correct me, just feel like I'm speaking to myself half the time, but it's all good fun. Quickly, obviously, week 13 was Thanksgiving in America. So again, to any of our American listeners out there, we hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving um, and enjoyed the time with your family and friends uh, if you got to spend the time with them. Uh, if any armed forces are happening to listen to this podcast, we salute you and we appreciate absolutely everything you do for our freedom. So, Marcus, back to the game. Houston versus 
Tennessee. What a match this was for all sorts of reasons. It had its implications because, of course, Texans are still in the the wild card hunt, and really, it was it was to see whether or not there was there was some life. Because, of course, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot from from Zach Mettenberger, and he really is actually impressing me as the sort of as a a rounded quarterback. It was definitely a game that he might want to. I don't know, probably might want to forget. Yeah, it's one you would ask for back, I think, isn't it, if you're uh, Zach Mettenberg. I mean, he did get injured during the game, didn't he? But not before he'd, he'd thrown an interception and um, was getting pressured all the time by the machine that is J.J. Watt. <laughs> yeah, and that's what really what was the impressive feature here, the fact that the Houston defense went the entire first conceding any points. And it really came to its conclusion the fact that really if you looked at how they actually t- try to counteract Mettenberger with the fact is here is a young quarterback into the league and the best thing that you do is just get in his face and there's a very impressive pass rush defense there absolutely and I know their secondary gets a little bit of stick as well but in Jonathan Joseph they do have one of the best cornerbacks in the league and he again managed to get himself another interception this week yeah, and I think there's yeah there is some definitely underrated value there. Um, a lot of the time you do think of them as the weak link, you know. Often Houston, oh, you got the great defensive line, uh, so they've got some great um, linebackers. Um, I think Merciless is brilliant, brilliant name as well for linebacker. It, it, you know, in that sort of run stopping ability, and everyone thinks of them as oh, you can pass deep on them. And yes, they were vulnerable at times. You know, you only have to look at some of the deep passes to like Kendall Wright or Nate Washington to show that, you know, it is a weak link in the chain. However, the fact is, as the pressure surmounts and you create that sort of that catalyst for quarterbacks to throw the the stupid pass and and force in balls when they're not uh, needed to. Well, that's really creating that knock on effect that they want to try and create. And I think. The knock-on effect really came on knock for Mettenberger once he went down. And it didn't look that innocuous, as it were. But suddenly, after that hit, he did seem to go down. I don't know if it was the awkwardness in which he landed, but it did seem a little shift there in the paradigm of um, of the game. Absolutely. And when Jake Lockett came in, he threw two interceptions himself as well. And in total, the Titans gave up the ball four times. So four turnovers based on predominantly that pressure, you'd have to say, up front. But I want to talk more, I think, about Houston's offense. Now, going into week 13, bearing in mind all the quarterbacks we have and the quality of quarterbacks we have in the league, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, the list goes on. If you could name one of those quarterbacks to throw six touchdowns this week, would it have been Ryan Fitzpatrick from the Texans? Uh, no, I don't think we would have assumed it would have been Ryan Fitzpatrick, considering that he'd only really been brought back into the squad to replace the injured mallet. It's crazy to think about what was placed on his shoulders and how he actually stood up to the mark and delivered. Now, we know that Tennessee is slightly weak in defence. It has been a problem with them all year. The fact is that they end up losing, uh, like running themselves out of games like this, losing to themselves at uh, halftime. You know, to be 24 0 down at halftime isn't exactly going to, it's going to fill you with confidence. And just when they start to get back in the game at 24 14, you lose your starting quarterback. The other guy comes in, he throws a pick straight away, and then suddenly it's gone. It's now 45 14, and the game is, the game is lost. 
But you have to sit there and go, as an offense, you really sort of dominate the game and you sort of put your stamp on it saying, right, we are going to, from the start, come out and attack you. They're clearly game planned for Tennessee because, you know, not only was it the the passing, but also the fact is the likes of, of Foster had a pretty decent game as well, so they could balance out that pass and run. Absolutely. And in the passing game, the aerial attack, we had Andre Hopkins getting two touchdowns and going for over 200 yards. I think it was in total 238 yards that Hopkins put up. So again, if we're talking game plan, then he was heavily featured in that because they obviously knew that he had the, the better matchup against that Titan secondary. Yeah, I think a lot of time you think of, of Andre Johnson and I think maybe sometimes, much in the way that we saw the last couple of weeks um, with Megatron coming back from his injury, a lot of people focusing on Megatron as the big name and the likes of like Golden Tate having great games. This allowed Hopkins to be this, the man with the single coverage one-on-one and being able to just beat his assignment and be better than the guy defending him. And you know what? I'm going to go out there and say it wouldn't surprise me if Houston draft another receiver in this year's draft and then look to out Andre Johnson. Uh, and by out, obviously, I mean just either trade him away or wait for his contract to run out and let him go to free agency because he's not been as productive as you would expect him to be. And when you've got the young kids like Andre Hopkins coming in and putting in such massive performances, bringing in another rookie maybe seems to be the way forward for them. And there's some great um, receivers in that class coming through. Only you have to look the other day at, say, someone like Cooper from, from Alabama. I thought his and what was he would up. be. Yeah. It seems to be what they're looking to do now is, is go very West Coast style offense. Again, Cooper had over 200 yards, didn't he, in the game against Auburn? Yeah, in the Iron Bowl. He just absolutely, especially the second half, just allowed them to to re refine their energy and and win. But that's that's college football. We're <laughs> we're getting dangerously close to digressing again. Um, yeah, and you know what? We've done really well because I've just suddenly seen the time on the clock, and we're still talking about the first game. So with that, we are going to move on swiftly to the New York Giants. And Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, we did have this down in our schedule to talk about it, but we've overrun a little bit talking about the Titans and college football and all sorts of stuff like that as we randomly digress throughout the show, which I'm sure you're all used to by now. Instead, what I'm going to say is if you want to know more or see highlights from the Jacksonville versus New York game, and it was quite a thriller to be fair, then go over to our lowdown blog, www.bullhawksnest.com. Dot com. Just click on the lowdown link or the link to the lowdown in the show notes. With that said then, Marcus, we leave New York behind us and we move swiftly on to New Orleans versus Pittsburgh. And what did you think of this game, sir? We know the South has just been so bad, the, the NFC South, that actually I didn't actually expect much from Saints. And we know that they've had this really bad thing about playing away. Well, to be fair, the Saints haven't actually been out of play well anywhere this year because they've lost three home games on the bounce. So Exactly. But, you know, we just mentioned about uh, um, Fitzpatrick doing uh, throwing six touchdowns. How about Breeze coming back and then throwing five? Yeah, and quietly as well. I had this in my notes as well. They kind of went under the radar a bit this week because there's been so many great quarterback performances across the league this week that... Even though Breeze threw five touchdowns, it's not really 
one of those games that you you talk about because of the score line as well, um, which we'll come on to. The final score was 35-32 to New Orleans, but the score line doesn't actually reflect that game when you look at it. Um, after Pittsburgh took the early lead with a couple of field goals, it was then just total domination by the New Orleans Saints offense and even defense um, with Drew Brees just throwing three touchdowns. Yeah, definitely. It seemed that way that it was mistakes. I think this Pittsburgh lost this game um, a lot more than I'd say than effectively the Saints winning it. Yes. As as the drives went along, you know, the two interceptions by Roethlisberger, you know, they they just didn't help the causes because they were always on positions where they seem to be dominating. You look at the time of possession, 33 minutes to the Steelers to the 26th of the Saints. The Saints were always running fast, no matter what, even when they were just trying to like uh, running in to the, the half and maintain their lead. They, they, they did that quick. They just kept on churning out the plays really quickly. And it's really down to the, the Steelers who were there having the really long plays, um, the really long drives. I mean, you look at like the difference in times, you know, the average drive for the Saints, we're looking at around about three minutes. The average drive for the Steelers, on the other hand, we're looking at about six. So it's, you know, you think about how they, they push them through. The Steelers were playing to their game plan and effectively a couple of key mistakes at that last minute. I mean, clearly at the end, like you said, the score didn't reflect the game because the Saints, they turned off at the end. That last touchdown by... um Roethlisberger to Brown clearly it, that was I, I think that was more the Saints had called it a day and said we've won this guys with the amount of time left I think you so, could say that for both of they, the Steelers last two scores couldn't you because inside the last three minutes with the with the Saints up by that much then that's I think you're right I think the defense probably just switched off and then that's what allowed uh, and the offense as well to be fair which is why the Steelers got the ball back but everyone just kind of played their part and just thought we've got this game won and uh but for Pittsburgh's lack of clock management, uh, they actually managed to come away with a win. Yeah, and so for me, that sort of summed up this game. There's some great performances, don't get me wrong, like we said, Breeze, um, Kenny Stills, wow, what way he's developing in this league. I really like how he's coming about. But I, I do feel that it was more a case that Pittsburgh run their game how they wanted to, you know, holding on to the football, running the long drives. But, of course, the fact is we know that the last couple of years, the Saints have always been one of those ones where if you blink, they will score on you. Yeah, they can score in a half. And that's what happened. Yeah, across the board. And even in that game, uh, Le'Veon Bell still managed to come away with uh, 95 rushing yards uh, and a touchdown, um, as well as 159 yards receiving. So that definitely goes some way to telling you what their game plan is. It's give the ball to Bell, whether it be in the air or on the ground, and just take the yardage where you can get it and just maintain the the clock. But like you say, when you come up against the likes of the Saints, you can have as much time as you want. But if they can score in sort of 30, 40 seconds, then it's not really any point just trying to keep them off the field. And one thing I do just want to mention before we move on to the next game. Now, we're saying about how bad Saints are playing this year and their record of five and seven. How about this? Drew Brees is completing over 70% of all of his passes. He's thrown for 3,748 yards, which is second only to Andrew Luck, who is having an unbelievable year. Um, And he's thrown 27 touchdowns. So when you look at that, why are the Saints doing so badly? You're going to tell me defense, I know. Uh, 
a lot of it is defense. I think also is is that lack of conviction where they do switch off horribly during games. Saints really should have the NFC South absolutely wrapped up. Yeah, so with that said then, do we think coaching changes are in order? And if so, is Rob Ryan the first person out the door? Possibly. I'm not sure what it is exactly about it. Somewhere, you know, there is a lack of, you know, there's got to be some discipline instilled from the top of the, the coaching all the way down to the bottom. So whether it is just on the defence, you know, maybe the offence or the special teams haven't focused enough. But I, I feel that a lot of the time, Games are won and lost, maybe in that in that heartbeat, in the one that one mistake, one turnover, and if your head isn't fully in the game, can you say you'll react the way you should when that moment occurs? No, I, I guess not. But if you want to let us know your thoughts about what's going on in New Orleans and indeed the entire NFC South this year, remember. Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail dot com. I want to come to the Carolina versus Minnesota game, Marcus. This was played in the equivalent of minus seven. So I believe it was 12 degrees. Then with the wind chill, it took it to minus seven there at the University of Minnesota. What would it be like playing in those kind of conditions? I don't know, but um, isn't exactly uh, a game for the faint-hearted, shall we say, especially this time of year up by the Great Lakes. Yeah, I can I can vouch for that from my experience in Chicago. If that weather just in that on Halloween itself was anything to go by, then they're going to be in for a very cold, very harsh winter. Yeah, and it's um, it's going to get a lot harsher for Carolina if they don't sort out their special teams problems you bring us nicely there onto the special teams and of course minnesota causing two blocked punts and taking them both back for touchdowns and a beautiful little stat that i managed to pick up that was actually the first time they've taken a blocked punt back for a touchdown since 1986 that's a long time to wait for a special teams blocked punt touchdown and then two turn up at the same game what you like Exactly. Just like Buster's <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's there's something wrong there. I mean, you're looking at that sort of stat and that's just not that's not an occurrence that should happen. I mean, the punter's pretty deep. I mean, he's a good sort of ten yards off the line off off the snap. So how is it that guys are getting enough or not enough of pressure of the, the jamming at the line? they can just run freely cover the 10 yards in the time from the snap yeah i think you have to definitely put that on the the line of scrimmage i don't know that there's much the punter can do to avoid having them blocked in that situation like say because if no one's getting their hands on the gunners then obviously they're just going to run straight through and be able to to block the pun like they did Um, and good to see griffin getting a touchdown on special teams as well yes i agree definitely with what you say there it is that is on the line um and it is just there's not much you can do as a kicker when you've got someone barreling down at you you try and get rid of that ball quickly at the same time you know you've got to get through your mechanics when you look at the performance uh in contrast by the two quarterbacks on one hand you've got cam newton who didn't have the best of games through another interception has now gone eight straight games throwing at least one interception which is just it's like me playing madden on all pro um 
it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not good. It's not pretty when it comes to quarterbacks. I'll tell you that much. EJ Manuel's going to wish I never played Madden. But that's digressing a little bit. I'm going to say, what is up with Cam Newton at the moment to be throwing at least one interception in every game? Is he just trying to force the plays too much and not taking his checkdowns when they're there? Are the checkdowns just not even there? So that's why he's trying to have to force something. What, what did you see from this game, Marcus? What I've seen from this game and the last couple of games, Cam Newton has lost confidence in his offensive line. We've mentioned this so many times. The game is won in those trenches. And the fact is, even in this, this game, he got sacked four times. I don't think he feels safe stepping back, observing the field and trying to wait for his, his throws to develop. And at the same time, I don't think he has the same sort of confidence in his body to react and actually elude it. The way he, you know, the way you think of Cam Newton with the last couple of years with a few niggles and a few injuries picked up. I don't think he trusts his body to be able to get out and put it on a line to gain the extra yards with his feet. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And and in contrast, you look at young Teddy Bridgewater just coming into the league this year, managed to have a reasonably solid game, uh, completing 15 out of 21 passes, um, 138 yards and, and two touchdowns. So just managed the game effectively and, and made plays when he needed to. Yeah, and that's all you need to do because you've got the defence backing you, keeping the opponent's offence in check. And it's, it's, it's that build up of pressure which creates like mistakes to happen and, and, and forces you know the errant throws because even if, if you think about it even if you take away the two block punts for touchdowns it's still Minnesota is going to win this game 17-13 because it is that game management system it wasn't so much that they just beat them with pure out strength and just dominated them so much it was just more the fact is they just managed to stay one step ahead and just keep their game plan working one step ahead and we're going to leave that game there and uh, just let you know that the final score there was Minnesota 31 and Carolina 13. And we are going to bring our game recap to a conclusion with a couple of things. Firstly, um, the Green Bay Packers versus New England Patriots. And what was the first ever career meeting between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? Um, how could we not talk about this this week when you think how great both quarterbacks are, how long they've been in the league. And you just think to yourself, how have they not faced off before? Well, basically through injury, Matt Flynn played for the Packers the last time they played the Patriots. So had a lot of hype going into the game itself and which quarterback was going to come out on top, which quarterback had more to give or more options. And Marcus, who was your money on before the game itself? I, I had my money on Rodgers, I must admit, not just because I have him in fantasy, but also uh, um, I, I, I think I did this a little bit more just because it was in Lambeau. So you gave, kind of went with the home field advantage, basically. I did, yes. Fair play. And, well, Rodgers did have a, a great game and he showed that you can shut down Jordy Nelson for, for most of the game, but A, he will always make a play at some stage and he showed that when he just completely skinned Darrell Revis inside and out and, and made that touchdown reception and but that Rodgers will go to his other options so we said this before you know with Denver for example if you shut down Demarius Thomas and Julius Thomas they've got Emmanuel Sanders where's Welker and Anderson out the backfield will hurt you same with Green Bay really they just seem to have endless options at receiver and tight end and um, that will find a way to burn you, regardless of, of who you pay attention to. And that was it, really. It was the, there were so many different pieces of the puzzle 
I mean, you only had to look at this one. Like you say, um, you know, the focus would have been on Gronk um, and Edelman, who caught most of the catches. But then you have to look at the likes of LaFell, who sort of stepped up for New England when they got into the red zone. Um, ultimately, the same goes for Green Bay. You think of Cobb and Nelson. But then Adams stepped in and he had over 100 yards because he has the ability to be the next guy um, on the roster who can then just adjust to the game situation. Right. The double team of these guys, or they're, they're putting the extra pressure, Nelson and Cobb, that's going to leave someone open to make a play. Is that person going to make a play? He did. He stepped up. I really liked us as well. Green Bay really took a different approach because we, we know Rodgers has got the sort of the arm, but we always think of Green Bay as sort of throwing first and then running when they need to. But I like the idea is that they gave, they gave Lacey a good sort of 20 carries. Um, though he didn't have a 100-yard game, I think they gave them a nice balance and that allowed them to have this extra um, openness about their uh, passing game because we knew this was going to be quite a, an offensive battle um, and we knew that the fact is that it was going to be which which sort of defense could sort of bend and not break and, and whatnot and there's there's big hype around like some big names on both teams I mean Revis and McCourtney in the backfield for, for New England going up against like the multiple attack of, of Green Bay um, but also you look on the other side and a big thing was of course the likes of Hawk uh, and then like the youngster, like Clinton Dick. So you've got the match up there, of course, because you've got like safety or, or linebacker. Who do we put on Gronk? One of them's not big enough to tackle him. The other one's not fast enough to cover him. So it was kind of that. And I've, I know I've used this analogy before, but it felt I, in my mind that it was going to be one of those two boxers equally matched, just taking blows out of each other until one of them fell down sort of games. But actually it sort of more became a sort of a sort of chase for New England, really, as they suddenly had to sort of give up on the running game, which was kind of working really well. You look at like what Garrett Blunt was able to do, and he was he was slowly plugging away a good sort of five six yards at a time, and they had to sort of give that up that, and then go all for that air out attack to try and keep up with the Green Bay offense, and ultimately it just they fell short of the of what they needed to achieve. Do you think it came back to the uh, the play on third down? Uh, where Brady throws it into the end zone for Gronk, but haha, Clinton Dix makes an absolutely unbelievable play, uh, managing to get his arms and, and rip the ball out of the Gronk's um, out of the Gronk's arms just as they go into the floor in the end zone. Do we think that is inevitably what won it for Green Bay? It is difficult about how you how you judge Gronk because, of course, there is the the matchup, the size matchup, the speed matchup that people don't realise. And you know what, Clinton Dix is really impressing me this year really impressing me like he's fitted into that defense really well at Green Bay and I think that they've they found a great pick there and uh, so the final score in that game was Green Bay 26 and New England 21 now before we move on to the rest of the show there was also a family feud match in week 13 between yourself and your dad Marcus as the St. Louis Rams took on the Oakland Raiders so I thought I would give you a minute just to talk about how great the Rams were and how badly the Raiders sucked. Uh, <laughs> it was a little bit of a family um, um, showdown but I must admit I think it got to around about halfway through the second quarter when I just I stopped texting in say uh, to my dad sitting there going are you watching this I think, I think I knew pretty much he'd given up um, it was, as a, as a Rams fan, it was amazing to watch, especially the first half. Uh, the second half, it was dominant, let's just say that. And uh, for Raiders fans, I mean, I've been really impressed with Carr all year. And I think even though they've 
played badly. I, I felt that Carr has played well. This was the first game where I feel that he did not play well. He couldn't adjust to the situation and he, he fell by the wayside, ultimately meaning they brought on Sean. And the score at halftime, I believe, was 44-0 to the Rams at halftime. Was it not setting a, a new franchise record for points scored in one half? 38-0 is, um, is the all-time Rams, even better than the greatest show on turf for um, points differential at halftime. The score, Rams 52, Raiders 0. Yeah, great effort there. So we will leave that there and move on with the show. You are listening to Spitball. Now we've reached that part of the show where I like to ask, Marcus, what's been grinding your gears this week? You know what really grinds my gears? Why don't we have something like Thanksgiving over here? Seriously, a day where we can sit down and just completely stuff ourselves with some of our favourite ever foods while watching continuous football or basketball, whatever it is, your, your sport of your choice, all day? Are you kidding me? Why do we not have this? I mean, seriously, I mean... It was amazing. I, I mean, it really threw me at first because, of course, we really, you know, our games sort of kick off over on our side with the time differential. Damn the world being sort of round because it messes up with all our times. But it meant that we could actually sit down. And on Thursday, I'm not having to worry about waking up and say, staying up till one o'clock in the morning to watch my Thursday night game. I've got three of them rolling continuously. You know, turkey, cranberry, all the trimmings, man, I just sat there and you saw and you watched them and the commentators were digging in and everyone just looks yeah, so good. And I'm sitting there going, where is our Thanksgiving? I mean, what's our closest thing to this? I mean, we, we really don't have anything like this. We, I mean, Christmas we've got and a replacement Easter. for all the other sort of... I mean, Christmas, yeah. I mean, that's Christmas, though. This is different. I want another one. I want, I, I want more. And really, I'm sitting there going, man, where's my turkey? Where's my turkey? Have you got my turkey? Who's got me a turkey? Because I want turkey. And that's what's been grinding my gears. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what we need to do so that you don't have the same gear grind next year. And it's a suggestion. We need to work out calendars, schedules, days off, etc. How about next year on Thanksgiving, we both have the day off and we do our own Thanksgiving. Problem solved. Me likey, me likey. Okay, then. Well... Watch this space and maybe we could do a, a Thanksgiving special just uh, as we're enjoying our turkey and our Thursday football. <laughs> as we're stuffing our faces. Great game, JJ Watt. Losing, Thanksgiving. That's how it's going to go, probably. Pretty much. Well, I think we should do it, but we are going to leave that there and see what happens. What's this space? I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. Let's eat. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple, orange, orange. Hot potato. I don't want no crackers. Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him. He hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll grind these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. Now we come to my favourite part of the show, and that is our weekly awards. So good to have you back for this young Marcus. So where would you like to start? Megatron, Mr. Ray Lewis? I think, uh, yeah, we start with a little bit of Mr. Ray Lewis. Good choice, good choice. Now we should start with your runner-up. 
You actually like my runner-up this week quite a lot because my runner-up is Donoris Cersei, strong safety for Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Buffalo Bills. <laughs> <laughs> he put in a great show. I mean, um, I think you had a great defensive game. But, however, when you sort of come in and you do, you get two interceptions, I mean, he really did shut Hoyer down. And, of course, ultimately referred down to the, the whole reason to bring in Johnny Football. Yeah, and even Johnny Football we managed to contain. He just got the the, the one drive where he first came in uh, for a couple of nice passes, one that nearly got picked off, uh, which set up his rushing touchdown. But ultimately, for me, that just came down to the fact that we hadn't game planned for Manziel anyway. So for him to come in, there's always going to be that period of adjustment. And once he came in and had one drive, did they do anything else after that? Well, no, they didn't because, like you say, the Bills defense, yeah, Bills defense is good. <laughs> yeah, and and that's 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 the reason why. I mean, it's it's affecting the game and making your opponents having to to react to you. So kudos to him. Absolutely. Well, if you wanted to and you wanted to upset the producer, you could have given it to the entire Bills defense. Do you not want to change your mind? No, no, no. I think I'm in the good books at the moment. I'm going to stay that way. <laughs> oh, suck up. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the Kansas kicker. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so my runner-up for the Mr. Award is Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings. We were mentioning earlier how well that Minnesota defense played, and Griffin had five tackles, two sacks, and had a blocked punt, which he returned for a touchdown. So, um, again, what, what more can you ask for impact wise than that from a defensive lineman that's right a defensive lineman so two sacks a touchdown um just a, a great game in total i was tempted to give it to the entire vikings defense because i felt like winding our producer up this week and i may do that in a minute anyway so uh, <laughs> we shall see we'll see how he feels about what i have in store and we will move swiftly on to your mr award winner right well i made you happy with the second place so i'm gonna make myself happy now we're saying my winner this week is trumaine johnson cornerback for st louis rams nice work yeah plugging both our teams this week this show isn't biased yeah <laughs> but six six tackles two interceptions one of which he sealed the game nicely off with a touchdown I think really, like we said, both of those picks that I've picked there, I could have just gone, no, yeah, give it to the entire defense. But I, I have gone and found someone who has sort of like gone above and beyond the the call of duty on amazing defensive performances by both teams. Now you know what? See, this week was one of those weeks where I thought we're both going to pick the same player, and you're going to royally mug me off. But you haven't, which I find very, very strange. My winner for the Mister award is jj watt say what and i'm quite surprised that you didn't pick him uh, because three tackles two of which were sacks a fumble recovery and of course his receiving touchdown as well so uh, puts him up to five touchdowns on the year three receiving and two defensive touchdowns this guy is just unbelievable um, but for some of the quarterbacks in the league, he would be a shoe-in for MVP. Uh, how how comes he... Did you forget about him? 
did you think he's won it too much or did you just want to get someone from your own team in there? I think a little bit of bias, plus <laughs> a little bit of that, uh, you've got to remember that, that cheeky little sneaky one-yard touchdown catch. That's an offensive play, my friend. Can't go on to his uh, defensive impact player score. Well, I think you'll find it can. <laughs> <laughs> he is a defensive player and he made a play and he had an impact on the game with it. So there you go. <laughs> Is that, you know, one my argument? No, I still think it's mainly down to me being biased at the amazing Rams performance. Okay, that is completely fair enough. So we will move on now to the award winners and your runner-up, please, Marcus. My runner-up this week is someone who's had a lot of controversy, um, a lot of that in the press that's been said about him. And I loved how he basically answered that today very nicely. And that is... LeSean McCoy running back for Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, he did have a, a great game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys, didn't he? He had a fumble early on, but after the fumble, there was no looking back. And uh, how many yards did he go for in the end? 25 attempts for 159 yards and a sweet touchdown. Nice work to LeSean McCoy. Fair play to him getting back on track. Although he's got a bit of a way to go before he catches DeMarco Murray in the rushing stakes. But like you say, he's had a bit of pressure recently, but showed on Thanksgiving that he can carry that Eagles attack when he needs to um, if they ever have any problems with Mark Sanchez. So my runner-up this week for the <laughs> award is Andrew Luck, um, another one of those great quarterbacks that had an outstanding game that I thought, well, you know, we don't get to talk about the game itself, but I can't let the week go by um, without giving him uh, a big up, so to speak. This week, he had uh, 370 yards, five touchdowns, uh, did have an interception, but we don't need to worry about that, do we, Marcus? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Completing 19 of 27 passes, just an all-round great performance. And he continues to have the biggest impact on that franchise as a whole because when he's playing well and he's scoring points for the offense, the defense can just concentrate on what they do best, which is blitzing the opposing passers, and when Luck builds up that lead for him, that enables them to do so. So congratulations to him. And before I actually move on to the winner, I did just put a little note for myself to throw this in there. So in 12 games so far this year, he has thrown for 4,011 yards and has 34 touchdowns. So he's going to be on throwing at least 5,000 yards this year. And when you bear in mind that this is only his third season in the league, uh, it's just quite phenomenal, really. Andrew Luck is younger than me. Wow. Yeah. How does that make I, you I must feel? Have, it, it made me feel a little bit bad, actually. I was sitting there going, damn. Uh, yeah, he's he's younger than me. Yeah, they're mostly younger than me. Uh, playing the <laughs> league, So we're not going to worry about that too much. <laughs> and we're going to move swiftly on. So who was your winner this week for the <laughs> award? My winner this week, there's a few really big like stats-wise I could have given it to. But actually... I picked a, a little bit of a curveball this week because how about this for my impact player winner is Philip Rivers, quarterback for San Diego Chargers. Ooh, because of the game-winning drive. Fourth quarter comeback, baby. They're 23-13 down coming into the fourth quarter. And Philip Rivers comes in and he does what he, he... You know, we know he's a good quarterback, but it's often been the times that people have compared him to the fact that he, he can't 
finished games, and he really did finish this one. Now, he finished up 383 yards and three touchdowns. But like we said, that last drive coming in, making sure that they actually got into the end zone because, of course, they needed to to just be able to beat Baltimore. Really great, closely contested game um, and beat them 34-33 in the end. And and for me, the impact there was the way he he drove the team down and just controlled it, controlled the game as a quarterback supposed to do, um, perfectly to have you know that fourth quarter comeback win and keep San Diego very much in in playoff contention. Absolutely, and I just want to ask you one question actually on that game winning drive. Now it's a question I raised in the the blog this week as well. If you scrutinise that touchdown pass like I have, Keenan Allen mm. engages the defender before Royal has caught the pass. Could that not technically be offensive pass interference? It's very close on being what you define as that sort of what they call the pick play, where um, the receiver is naturally um, interfering with the, the, the path that the defensive back can run to cover the other receiver. That line of, of definition between what you can get away with and what you can't, I think really that has to be like looked under a microscope a little bit because you're sitting there. I think some people are going to be divided onto which camp. Some are going to be saying that that was an illegal play. Others that was legal. That's it's everyone's opinion for themselves. I think there. Don't forget to let us know what you think. Remember. Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. My winner for the award, and this is where the controversy comes in. I have picked two players to win my award this week because it's like God and the devil. You can't have one without the other. So I've gone with Ryan Fitzpatrick and DeAndre Hopkins because, granted, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw six touchdowns to four different my maths right there five different receivers sorry my apologies DeAndre Hopkins was responsible for most of those yards and two of the touchdowns so that's why I figure you have to have them both together as like a little package deal really there if we were Thomas Cook we would definitely be setting those together an absolute tandem so they are worthy winners and we are about to find out what the producer thinks about that what <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to get away with that, did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you if you're sitting there going, mm, I guess that's another one where you you have to decide how you split that because, of course, ultimately each couldn't benefit from each other without the other person putting in equally as an impact performance yeah not when you look at it like Fitzpatrick had 358 yards and DeAndre Hopkins got 238 of those so uh, when you're counting when it's that much of a percentage of, of the quarterback's yardage that's why I figured you can't have one without the other but we will leave that there for now 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. Now we've come on to the final part of the show. Now, unfortunately, um, we have actually, with that, run out of time. There is really only enough time to get some plays from Marcus and um, that he wants you all to check out for the Marcus and the Mind Blowers segment. And we will have to, Marcus, save our playoff chat for next week. Do you think you can hold on another uh, week? I suppose so, because, of course, another week and all our predictions this week, we could maybe save ourselves a little face by saying this person or this team might get in and then uh, they don't. So, yeah. I'm happy with that. <laughs> the only thing I will say on it is Green Bay versus New England. Potential Super Bowl? Question mark. Yes. Definitely going to be the Super Bowl? Question mark. Uh... I'll take that as a no, shall I? Maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it as no. We'll move swiftly on. <laughs> so, Marcus, uh, I say before we finish off, what plays stood out for you this week, sir, that you would like our listeners to take a butcher's at? Uh, some things I think you should have a look at this week, and my mind-blowing plays, are there's the 89-yard run by Trey Mason. Again, being a little bit rammed biased. It was great for my fantasy this year. Uh, this week, rather. <laughs> <laughs> and by fantasy, I mean fantasy team. Otherwise, that sounds even dodgier. It sounds proper Marcus Innuendo style. Oh, I had a proper great fantasy about Trey Mason. Whoa. Anyway. Mm, Anna Hill. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we all remember that. It was one of those moments. It was a mm, Mason moment. So let's move on. <laughs> um, everyone should check out um, another amazing, and when you consider this, um, this is a defensive lineman. J.J. Watts, um, cheeky little... Um, Touchdown catch. I think everyone should have a little butchers at that. This and the touchdown catch that it's not allowed to count for defensive impact player, right? Yeah, the one that is an offensive impact. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> but he's a defender playing on offense. It's a defensive. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> um, another one I want people to check out is, um, again, we haven't mentioned, but one that really sort of shocked me was Atlanta versus Arizona. Uh, Rajard Johnson had a, a great little interception, 88 yards return for a touchdown, um, you know, covers the whole length of the field and few broken tackles there. You know, Atlanta really should have should have got him down before he was ever anywhere near the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. The, the last mind-blowing player I want you to have a look at, even though I wouldn't say this is like overly mind-blowing, but I just want everyone to check out, if you haven't seen it already, it's quite a little bit funny. Marquise Lee catching his touchdown from Blake Bortles, then disappearing into the end, uh, into the tunnel, um, the players' tunnel at the end. That one's uh, <laughs> also <laughs> a little bit funny to watch at the end of it. Nice one. I shall make sure they all go in the show notes for you all to check out. So, as I say, that then wraps it up for another week. It's left for me to say. Marcus, thank you very much, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been good as always. Nice one. 
Remember? Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Don't forget, our shows are downloadable on iTunes and our more recent episodes are rebroadcast on the 1800 online network, a link to which is on the side of the page. So, until next week, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. (laughs) 